It's The Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. Hello, everyone. So glad you're with me this week. And um, I'm just honored that you that you listen. And just want to encourage you that if if what I say and what I do here at It's the Principle, if it is something that blesses you and encourages you or, or you know, teaches you or helps you gain understanding or in any way concerning the scripture or life in general, um, help me put out the word. Um, and, and I would love to see this thing grow. Uh, so I, 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 first of all, I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for the kind feedback. I get comments and, and I'm so appreciative of those. I'm sorry if I seem a little distracted. I said last week in the podcast that I was going to go into the Ten Commandments, but um, I, I want to take a little, a little detour tonight and uh, and talk to you just a little bit from my heart and look at a passage of Scripture that hopefully I can give you a um, maybe a little more understanding about it. But I want to I want to talk to you from my heart about what we're seeing going on in Israel and the attack upon, upon God's people and God's land by an enemy that is, that is emboldened right now. And truthfully, they're emboldened by the lack of leadership in this country, by the lack of strength in this country and by the lack of leadership in the world. Um, I, I'm not calling for a worldwide leader. Please don't get me wrong with that or wrong on that. But it is obvious that when there is a lack of strong leadership, that those who choose and look to do evil will arise and will cause harm and wreak havoc and bring chaos and anarchy and this is the way of the world today. Uh, we all know if you're a Bible-believing uh, follower of Jesus, we all know that, that this has been prophesied for a long time and that a lot of what we're seeing today is part of God's plan, part of the big picture to, uh, to bring about the end times and to bring about his will. His sovereign will. And so I want to talk about that because here's, here is what I feel in my spirit. And I, and my wife, Christy read to me something on Facebook that just um, reiterated this to me that we all look at this attack on Israel and we all see it as look up, open your eyes He's coming. Now is the time that we're going to see Jesus come and split the skies and and rapture the church away and and take us all home. Well, I will tell you that is my heart. 
I long to see my Savior's face. And in my heart, I cry out from my spirit, even so, Lord, come quickly. But here is my concern, is that, is that our response to hard times, scary news, our response to a world in chaos is to respond in such a way that it, it turns to us, that our thoughts are, are about us. Lord, come get us. Lord, split the sky and come get us. Lord, uh, take us from this awful place. Notice, notice the, the attention where it is focused. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm really not. And, and you'll see where I'm going here in a few minutes when we get to the scripture. But uh, if our immediate response to any time there is hard times or bad news, if our immediate response is, Lord, come take us out of this, you know, the old commercial, cow God, take me away. If, that's, if that is our immediate response, if that's where our mind goes to immediately, my concern is, is that we forget about a world in need. We forget about the lost neighbor, the lost loved ones. We forget about the, the people at work that need to hear Jesus. We forget about, we get so wrapped up in, Lord, this is the end, and we start looking, looking up, and the scripture tells us to look up. I, I get that. But if you spent all day looking up, you miss what's around you. And I think that if we as, as followers of Jesus, if we as, as those who are the only ones that, that have the true knowledge of the Lord and we're the ones that should be living with hope and have peace and joy in our hearts, we should be the ones that if we're experiencing an, a, a sense of of uneasiness or a sense of, of dread or longing for something better, how much more so the world, right? I, I, I know I'm kind of going off on a soapbox here. Um, I told you I would do the Ten Commandments, but I just really feel like I need to get this out. How much more so the world? How much more so those who don't have hope? How much more so those that, that don't have the assurance of Christ in their life and the Spirit in their heart and heaven as their future and their home? How much more dread and fear and, and uncertainty about the future does the world have? And this may be the very moment, this may be the very moment that we as the body of Christ should, as the old saying is, strike while the iron is hot and be out there telling people, look, I, for every hundred people we tell, we're going to get 98 or 99 to reject us or to, to not listen to us. But what about the one? 
What about the one that it, maybe somebody else has planted the seed and you come along and, and, and are able to share your hope about Jesus and, and share your, your knowledge of the fact that this world is not our home and that, that there is a better world awaiting us and that God has given us this moment now to live for him and, and to share his love and his grace and his truth and his word and, and share all this. What if we're missing the moment? What if this is our greatest opportunity and our greatest moment of revival that we could have? And, 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 and I have to be very careful about the use of that word, revival. I'm not talking about a shout fest. And, and you, for those of you who know me, I, you know I'm Pentecostal to the core. You know I believe in the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operating in today's time and, and that it is for today and that 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 we cannot operate, truly, fully operate as the body of Christ without the gifts of the Spirit. We need them. But, but the revival I'm talking about is not uh, this sense of, of exuberance and excitement that comes in the church. Because remember what the word revive means. It means to give life. And so I'm looking for the Lord not just to give us a shout. And I don't know if anybody loves a shout more than I do. But to give us something more. To give us truly life and the life that is meant to be imparted to others. Not that we can save. Don't get me wrong in that. But this is our opportunity, our opportunity. Imagine if our hearts immediately long for something better and we start saying, even so, Lord, come quickly, and we start putting out on Facebook, look up, the end is near, and he's coming again, and all those kind of things. Folks, they've been saying that for 2,100 years, he's coming back. And I'm not denying the rapture. I'm just saying this may not be the time. They've thought it for years he's coming. And again, I'm not trying to put that, I'm not trying to be a, a, a naysayer. My hope and prayer is he comes right now while I'm doing this podcast. Again, I, I, would, I have no greater hope in me than to see my Savior face to face and to, and to see him as he is and, and to be transformed fully from the inside out and to have that new body that where I don't have a bad back anymore and I, my eyes are perfect and I don't have to wear readers and contacts. And, and I, there, that is a great hope for me. But I can't let that hope and the desire for the other life get me so closed off to this life that I miss the opportunity right now in a world gone mad to minister to my neighbor and minister to my, my, my brother and my sister and my coworkers and the people at Walmart. You know, I said that. I, I said this very thing to my church when Donald Trump lost the election. You know, and, I, and believe me, I've heard all the ones that prophesied he had four more years and all that kind of stuff. And then when it didn't happen, 
you know, I heard them all saying, well, maybe that four years is not right now. Maybe it'll be in 2024. And, and God's, got, God's got all that under control. But I told my church that this may be the greatest opportunity we have because for all those people that thought getting the mean orange man out of the White House would be that would solve all the problems that they were going to be sorely disappointed and when what they thought was the answer didn't work that would be the opportunity for us as the body of Christ to stand up and to tell them we know the answer because it's going to leave them reeling. It's go, I said it. Was, I said it then. It's going to leave them reeling. They're going to start looking for answers and start looking for things to to blame and things to change and all that. And that is exactly what happened. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet, but folks, if we would have just stopped and looked, we would have seen this coming. That this is in this world gone crazy, and there's there's no doubt about it that it's gotten worse. And I don't care who's in the White House. But there is no doubt about it. This world is in desperate need for some hope. And folks, we know the God of hope. There are people longing, not just for world peace, right? I, I You know, the, the old joke about the beauty contestants, what it is you want, world peace, you know, and, and not just for world peace, but for inner peace. Peace in their inner man. Peace with who they are. Peace with their identity that's been given to them by God the Father and not in some futile search to find themselves. Hope for a better life because as anybody can watch and see, this world is not getting better. I don't care what the politicians say. And so it just reminded me of a passage of scripture that I actually preached on last year, but I want to I want to go back to it and just give you something to look at. Jeremiah chapter 29. We all know verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. We all know that verse. We see it on cards, we see it uh put on Facebook, we see people that use it as their life verse. We all know that. But have you ever looked to see what the context of that verse was? When it was written and what it was about? So I want to go back to Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 1. And I just want to give you, I don't know if I'm going to go the full 30 minutes tonight. I just want to give you something to think about on this and maybe a different way of thinking about it. 29.1, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, of Gemariah, excuse me, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, 
Put that into context. Look at when the letter was sent. It was sent to the captives in Babylon who were who were under Nebuchadnezzar. So they were people away from their home. They were people in captivity. They were people with an evil king over them who enslaved them, who who kidnapped them from their homes and their houses and took their children and and took their wives and and you know was a, a despot. He he was a, a a tyrant of a ruler. And they're in this foreign land. And they are not in their home. They are not home. They are in a foreign land. Can I put it this way? They were foreigners in a strange land. You know, the word uses that exact same verbiage describing the children of God in the New Testament. Foreigners in a strange land. These were foreigners in a strange land in Jeremiah 29. And so I want to read to you what Jeremiah tells them to do while they're in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. He says, verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. I don't have time to get into that. Verse 5, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens, eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which cause you which you cause to be dreamed, excuse me, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Verse 4, excuse me, verses 1 through 10 totally change the context and the application of Jeremiah 29.11. It is not some frou-frou, feel-good, motivational type verse you can put on a card and have that be your life verse and all you without putting it in context without putting it into context you miss the fullness of that verse look at it again these were people in captivity they were in captivity they were slaves and and they were under a tyrant and the lord tells them while you're there don't stop living life Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives, have children, and give your children, give your daughters to men for as wives, and give your sons to women as husbands. And you you go there and you you live life, live life with your family. Now here here's the thing: 
that you may be increased there and not diminished. We're trying to, I, most Christians that just talk about the rapture and just talk about going home, I find a lot of them pulling away from the world. And that is the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. God wants us to have children, and God wants us to be in this world, and God wants us to increase in this world, increase our presence, increase our ability to, to reach people, increase who we are, increase the, the size of the kingdom by not only bringing in converts, but by having children and raising them to be godly people. And I love this part, verse 7, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. We so often cry out, Lord, come quickly and take us out of this land that we forget to pray for the land. Listen, I've got my issues with our current president. There is no doubt about it. Some of his agenda and some of his policies and some of the things he 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 is doing is not just misled. It's not like he is, is, is just, he means well, but he's just doing it wrong. Some of his policies and some of his, his uh, uh, things that he's trying to pass and some of the executive orders that he's done, and some of, the, some of them promote pure evil ideology. There's no other way to say it. But God does not call me to stand on the side of the road and carry a sign that talks about how bad our president is. God calls me to get on my knees before the throne of heaven and call his name out in prayer and pray for him because his success as a leader of this nation means this nation is a land in peace because the According to Romans chapter 13, the Lord has ordained the powers that be in order to bring peace and, and, and to inflict judgment upon the, the, the evil ones and upon unrighteousness. And so his success is my success. Pray to the Lord, seek the peace of the city, and pray to the Lord for it. For in his peace you will have peace. So I should be praying for my governor. I should be praying for my local county commissioner and local mayors. And I should be praying for these folks. If I don't pray for the leaders of this nation more than I complain about the leaders of this nation, then I am wrong. I don't care how righteous you think you are. Or, you you know, I don't care how righteous I think I am. If we are complaining more about the president than we're praying for him, we're wrong. Plain and simple. Period. No questions asked. You were wrong and you should repent. Because I can tell you, the Lord has pricked my conscience about this very thing. In fact, look at verse 8. You don't have to look at it. I'll just tell you about it because you may be driving or you may be busy. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. I'm trying to think of all the people, all the prophets that came out four years ago and said four more years for Trump and and, and he was going to win and all this kind of stuff. I can only think of one that has publicly, came out, has publicly come out and said 
I prophesied four more years for Trump, and I was wrong. I don't know. I really thought I heard the Lord. I thought I was saying what he said, what he wanted me to say, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen, and I apologize. Please forgive me. I only know of one. The rest of them have tried so hard to finagle the truth and the facts to make them, to try to keep them from looking bad. It's embarrassing. And I'm telling you, we've got people out there saying, look up, he's coming. Let's just, let's just focus on the Lord. Let's just focus on his coming, that we're missing the very thing that he's told us to do. And he said to occupy until he comes. Now, how do we do, why, why are we able to do that? Why are we able to do that? Why are we able to just keep our nose to the grind, so to speak, our hand to the plow, keep living life for the Lord to the best of our ability, and then tell everyone we know about Jesus? Why or how? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I can go out in assurance knowing that no matter what this world does, no matter how bad the war in Israel gets, no matter how bad things get here in this land, no matter how much the, the laws of this land may eventually turn against me, and believe me, they will eventually turn against us as children of God, that I can go out with my head held high, not in pride, but my head held high, knowing that God is with me, and if God be with me and for me, who can be against me? And that when I have given all that I am and all that I have in this life for the Lord, that I can know when I breathe my last breath, whether that's by natural means or whether they take me out because they view me as an enemy of the government, that, that no matter how that happens, that when this life is over, I have a future and a hope. And it is assured, it is guaranteed because of what Christ did on the cross and the Holy Spirit that acts as a seal and an earnest down payment in my heart, letting me know that no matter what happens in this life, no matter how much they may come against me, I can give my all for the Lord because when this thing is done, I know the future he has for me and it's full of hope and it's full of peace. So I want to encourage you. I know I sound angry. I'm, I'm not, I'm a little upset, but I'm not angry. But I am a little upset, to be honest with you, because I think we're missing the point. We're missing the point. Yes, our 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 hearts should should be on the Lord. Yes, we 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 do have our proverbial eye looking up, but we ought to be having our eyes looking up in such a way. You know what? That's kind of funny. You know, if I were to stand outside and I were in the midst of about 40 people and I'm standing in the midst of 40 people and I just look up, eventually, you know what those other 40 are going to do? They're going to look up too. So the idea of the looking up is that you're living your life with your heart and mind toward heaven in such a way that other people see you and they want to look up too. Now that's good. Thank you, Lord, for that. That is good. That we live it in such a way that when we look up, that we that we motivate somebody else to look up too. 
Folks, I'm just telling you, if you're a child of God, your future is assured. It's assured. The Lord said it in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have for you, the plans to give you a future and a hope and, and, and thoughts of peace. That's assured. So how do if that is assured, then how do we live knowing that's assured? We build houses. We live in them. We plant gardens and we eat the fruit of it. And we pray for the peace of our city. And we, we pray that the Lord bless our leaders. And we, we have children and we take wives. And we, uh, you know, we, we don't listen to all the people saying, forget about this world, just focus on heaven. No, 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 no. We then live in such a way that what we do causes other people to look up and think about heaven too. Okay, my rant is over. Folks, we, we are on the verge. We may not see the worldwide revival that I used to hear about when I was growing up. But there is no doubt in my mind I can see a revival. And, and when I say a revival, I mean lives changed, people saved hearts touched, people set free, chains broken, addictions broken. I'm talking about people set at liberty that were bruised. I'm talking about people being healed and relationships mended. And I'm talking about broken hearts being made whole and broken bodies being made whole. Uh, that's what I'm talking about in a revival. There's no doubt in my mind that that the Lord is well able to bring revival in me, in my family, in this church, in my community, in my county. And I just got a funny feeling that if we would make that our focus and our goal during this time when everybody's talking about the rapture, I'm not against the rapture. I believe it's going to happen. But folks, we need to be looking up in such a way that we cause other people to look up to. I love you. And I am so appreciative that you listen. I pray you've been blessed and encouraged. Maybe you learned something. I love you, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.